You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Bodacious and brilliant brain biscuits. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 76, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your darling and sometimes dopey double duo digging for delicious data and details. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. I'm Chris. So I have something. We have the occasionally recurring segment in the headlines, in the news, uh, and I saw a piece of news that reminded me of the good old Good Job Brain podcast. Yeah, Chris, you like, like sent a very yeah. passionate email to all of us when you it read was, this. It was, yes, if you were a longtime listener, uh, or, you know, just because you know about these sorts of things. Kopi Luwak, which is the, the coffee, the Indonesian coffee that is tasty and delicious and... <laughs> the most expensive. The most expensive coffee anywhere. And it is all these things because, or perhaps in spite of the fact, that it is <laughs> passed through the entire digestive tract of the civet cat, right. a, a weasel-like animal <laughs> that eats the coffee fruit and poops the coffee beans. And, and that's where it's is, collected. Then they collect the, the poop and they wash the, the beans are not digested, but they are the structure of them is changed somehow through the passing through and the bacteria and the gut and the intestines or whatever it is. <laughs> it is actually made more delicious Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is a delicious type of coffee, and all the civic cat thought it was doing was you know eating fruit and mm-hmm. having like mm-hmm. the worst corn poops basically. <laughs> um, but will. here's the thing: so now that you've heard it on Good Job Brain and in various other places, demand is increasing for Kopi Luwak. People want to try this, yeah. but the the problem is okay, sure you're paying hundreds of dollars an ounce for coffee that has been pooped out the butthole of some exotic animal. But how do you know? (laughs) How do you know you're not simply being taken for a ride and that someone is not just telling you that these are poop beans? Or feeding it to a regular cat. Yes. Or a person. Right. Or anything. Well, science and important scientists have now developed a test okay. and they Thank can they can God. they have identified uh, a certain chemical fingerprint mm. as uh, as the telegraph said in the UK chemical fingerprint that only exists in coffee that has been pooped out the butthole mm. of this particular Oh, of the civet okay. And of the civet. So it's like a spot so, test for the coffee. Indeed. You can now get your verified, tested <laughs> coffee. Typically, these tests ensure that your food is not contaminated <laughs> and has not been in contact with poop. But this is a test to make sure to that make, it there is. There is 100% positive. Yeah. Yes. Poop touched your coffee. <laughs> we know it for a fact. Yeah. Science. Thanks for that enlightening... <laughs> tidbit. I'm um, trying to save you people money. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a public service announcement. Yeah. yeah, Verified poop coffee. Alright, let's jump into our first general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hotshot. And I got Trivial Pursuit cards back. So here we go. You guys got your barnyard buzzers ready, and yes. I just picked a card uh, randomly from the box. Here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography. What country is famous for its Gouda and Edam cheeses? Uh, Chris. Is it Switzerland? Incorrect. <gasps> uh, I think it's the Netherlands. Isn't yes. it? Yeah, oh, the Netherlands. Oh, They're yeah. Dutch cheeses. Dutch cheeses. Dutch. Pink wedge for pop culture. Who is Liza Minnelli's mother? 
<laughs> Dana. Judy Garland. Yes, Judy Garland. Yellow Wedge. What are the titles of Barack Obama's first two books? <laughs> Chris. Those are Dreams from My Father and The Audacity of Hope. Correct. Nice. <laughs> Purple Wedge. What's the name for the placeholder text used in the printing and publishing industry? <laughs> Colin. That is lorem ipsum. Yes, lorem ipsum. Do you know the first five words of lorem ipsum placeholder text? I do. The, the classic is lorem ipsum dolor sit amet. Yes! We're surprised. Green wedge for science. This is a good one. What company unveiled the first cell phone in 1983? <laughs> Chris. I believe that is Motorola. Correct. Yes. Mm. Good, good bit of trivia to know. How much did it cost? <laughs> oh. One skabillion dollars. $3,995. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, okay. it's affordable. It's just sure. it's just under no. 4000 Wow. Wow. And it weighed like 30 pounds. Okay, right? yeah. It's equivalent to 12 blueies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, for, for certain businesses, I'm sure that was a huge bargain. That's true. To get done what they could then do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Orange Wedge, last question. What sauce is used in traditional Eggs Benedict? Dana. Uh, Bernays sauce. Incorrect. Hollandaise. Hollandaise. Oh, no. So many of you listeners uh, may know that we've been doing this kind of community project, and we're asking listeners to submit pictures or videos of where they are when they're listening to this show. And we got a whole bunch of awesome photos around the world. We're putting it on an interactive map. And there's this one particular email that I got, and it's from the team of Chris, Greg, Anders, Dominic, and Tina. And they wrote in and they said, just to let you know that we are regular listeners to your podcast in the kitchen at Peppermaster in Rigaud, province of Quebec, Canada. Oh. It helps us pass the time in the excruciating heat of the production kitchen. And, uh, well, what they mean by excruciating heat, not just that it's hot in temperature, but what they do at Peppermaster is they make small batch fair trade hot sauces. Mm. Hot and spicy and heat is their business. And this inspired us for this week to talk about all things that are hot and spicy, makes you sweat and all that awesome stuff. So thanks to the gang at Peppermaster. This week we're talking about hot stuff. Looking for some hot stuff, baby. <laughs> that's that's what you have to you have to kick into that song yeah. immediately after you say that. So do you guys know what is measured by the Scoville scale? I do. Yes, yes I, I do. I feel like we may have discussed this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who would yeah. like to, uh, who would like to uh, enlighten who, uh, those of us who may not know? I believe it is called the Scoville Heat Unit. Yeah. Right? The yeah. SHU. Uh-huh. And right. what does that measure? What is, what, what is measured by a Scoville Heat Unit? I think it's how much capsaicin or the, the concentration of capsaicin, which is the, the oil that makes 
hot pepper spicy. Yep, that is, yeah, the Scoville heat units developed by Wilbur Scoville. Mr. Uh, Scoville. Mr. Scoville, that's right. His uh, brother Orville Scoville. <laughs> uh, to Ooh, measure, basically, the heat of chili peppers. Yeah, indirectly, it's just how hot is a chili pepper. In, it's assigned a number on the Scoville <laughs> scale. But what it is really measuring is, yeah, the amount of capsaicin, which is the element that gives chili peppers their, their heat. And like all chili peppers, all hot peppers, have some amount of capsaicin in them that makes them hot. Mm-hmm. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll extract it from the pepper and what the Scoville scale measures is how much do you have to dilute it before oh. you can't taste it or until you can just barely taste the heat. With water. Uh, right. Well, it's actually a mixture of sugar and water. Okay. Yeah, they extract the oil. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> if you put it in your eyeball, how many days do you take before you can see again? That's yeah. the worst <laughs> test. Until you go blind. <laughs> so, like, so it goes from zero. So a zero on the Scoville scale for uh, peppers would be like you're just your, your average bell, like pepper. bell pepper. Yeah, your yeah. bell yeah. pepper, your average sweet pepper. No, no capsaicin in those at all. So you eat it. You, know, you don't need to dilute it at all. So it's got a zero value of dilution. And then it's an open-ended scale, so it just goes up with there, you know, yeah. because it's just the hotter it gets, the more capsaicin, the more you'd have to dilute it. So to give you an idea of, of sort of what the scale here that we're talking about, you know, so bell peppers at zero. If you guys know uh, Sriracha sauce, you know, just yeah. the oh, yeah. ubiquitous yeah. The rooster red rooster sauce. sauce. That's right, yeah. rooster sauce. That comes in around a couple thousand, you know, mm-hmm. maybe so right around 2,000 Scoville they... on the Scoville scale. So how much... Water, like so, you would it? have to dilute it by a factor of two thousand to get it to a level of the same that you would say this is about the same heat as a as a bell pepper. Got it. Okay. Got right. It. Uh, hob, you know, your habaneros are a pretty hot pepper. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the variety, those would range, you know, a few hundred thousand. You know, so <laughs> wow. one hundred thousand, maybe up to six hundred thousand, depending Jeez. on the type of habanero pepper that you're talking about. Just in the last year, experts from the New Mexico State University Chili Pepper Institute. All right. Whoa, this whoa. yes, these are the these are the world's leading authorities on chili pepper <laughs> and Wait, chili pepper hotness. Can I like go to school there? I think you can. Oh. Yes. Yes. Snap. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's not too late, Karen. Oh. <laughs> I majored in video change. games. You can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, New Mexico state, yeah, applications are going to be uh, skyrocketing among yeah. chili pepper enthusiasts. And there is actually a more modern way of of detecting the heat in peppers beyond the uh, the Scoville scale. Um, you know, they use things like these days like uh, liquid chromatography. Very highly specialized, computerized, much more consistent. And With Scoville, you know, you can dilute it, but you still have to have some person there to taste yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. right. And I, yeah, I, mean, I didn't really, I didn't really yeah. make that part clear, but that's right. So, you know, if you were in the old school Scoville scale, and I mean, you know, this was developed in 1912. It was systematic, but it was uh, a lot of variation. You would yeah, dilute yeah. it, and then you would have a panel of people all giving their ratings. And you, you know, you would sort of take the consensus from their ratings to put it on the scale. So they have a lot more high-tech advanced ways of measuring it, but they still will convert those measurements back to uh, Scoville scale. Because, uh, you know, we've kind of been using the system, but the results we get these days are a lot more scientific. So, as I say, researchers from New Mexico State University Chili Pepper Institute just last year uh, finished a broad survey trying to establish, alright, what is the world's hottest pepper in terms of Scoville units? And it was one I had never heard of before. And I mean, and there were some funky ones on this list. I mean, there's ghost peppers and yeah. naga peppers and I mean, from every region of the world. Well, yeah. They sound like World of Warcraft yeah. characters. <laughs> <laughs> they're, you know, they're supposed to instill yeah. fear oh, into you when you hear it. Yeah. All the ones that I had heard of, you know, I mean, as I say, Rafe. like you know, like yeah. hab- habaneros yeah. and cayenne. Pe- I mean, cayenne pepper is thirty thousand, fifty thousand Scovilles. You know, right. habaneros a few hundred thousand. They discovered or they established <laughs> that. The, Hold on. Yeah, well, go ahead. Take a guess. Take a guess. I will be amazingly impressed if you um, know this. There's like. 
Well, I know this this is one of the hottest, but it's not the hottest. The Scotch Bonnet mm. is pretty hot. I think the hottest pepper has like a name place, like the Jamaican something, oh, or the so Tunisians, close. or the Haitian. You're wow! You really are. You, you must have you must have come across this yeah. at some point. Oh, what it is, is it? The, the Trinidad yes. Moruga Scorpion pepper. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's like a D and D character. It's a I monster. It's great. right there in the name. They had an average, okay, of one point two million. Scoville wow. heat units. Wow! They had one particular pepper that hit over two million. So if you so if it's one point two million, that means if you do a million parts water to one drop of that pepper's juice, you would still go like, oh, it's a little hot. It's, yeah, you, 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 that would be just noticing it. If yeah. you were, yeah, yeah. essentially, Wait, it's one point two million. One point two million on so, average with the uh, the water. No, with what, the you water do one million, and there's still the point two left. It's yeah. like a habanero. It's still yeah, very right, hot. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think of like a, a swimming pool of water in one drop and yeah. you drink it and you're like, you're like oh, I got a rash. But it is. I mean, like all, you know, all the ones that I had heard of sort of are like mid range on the Scoville heat unit scale of chili peppers. And it's really fascinating to Jeez. just to get into. And of course, there are huh. people who are enthusiasts of the hotter, the better. They're describing this pepper like you really you, you could just take a bite of it. And just and by that, the, you would not want to do that. You would not want to do that for, for obvious reasons. They said that when they were harvesting uh, the pepper to do the research, they had to continually change their gloves. It had <gasps> so much and such high, such strong concentrations of capsaicin. Yeah. It was penetrating through the latex Whoa! gloves and and soaking into their skin. Oh my you know? god. Do they just grow them in Trinidad? Are they yeah, just in the mountains? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of you know, a lot of these. So they're are, like the poison peppers in the mountains. Well, I think it's one of those things where, like, if you're an animal unlucky enough to eat it, you're not going to make that mistake twice. No. You know? Well, I what mean, if you're a Person if or you're a, a person, kid well, people do it on purpose, yeah. Oh. yeah. oh man! And you know, like a lot of other peppers, they're cultivated, you know, for spiciness over time. But they are just naturally a hot pepper. Right. So yeah, if you're in Trinidad, you may want to, uh, or Do you may it. want to seek you out. You may the, want uh, to not the, yeah. The, yeah. the Moruga scorpion variety. Either way, but yeah, I mean, and that and that ties into something else about you know, if you've ever cut up you know Majorne hot sauce and cut up peppers, you know that even just oh. a little bit on your finger, oh, sure. you don't realize oh, it. Oh my god. god, it's yeah. you, you rub your eyes, you get it on in your mouth, you know, and that's like normal. Normal hot sauce. Yeah. Just accidentally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, that's in the thousands of Scoville heat units, and this is uh, right. uh, upwards of one million. Mm-hmm. Oh, one yeah, million just, Scoville heat units. It's not even in your, in your mouth. You can feel it on your skin and your fingers and your eyes and all your pores. So I don't know if you guys had the same experience, but I, the first time I ever accidentally been to a hot pepper, I think maybe some Chinese food we had, and, you know, it just, it just didn't see it there. That was me, too. You I was eating General General Tso's chicken, yeah. and they had put the giant the red peppers, peppers yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, kind of hide under a piece of chicken or something. Oh, God! <laughs> and, and I quickly learned, like, drinking water does yeah. not help. You know what yeah. really yeah. doesn't? Drinking Sprite immediately follows. <laughs> no. Also does not help. Oh, then you get, like, the carbonation that's oh, oh, your yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I when learned... you drink water, you wash away all of the food that's in there, so only the oils remain. You're as... getting rid of everything but the capsaicin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes sense. You know, water and oil don't mix. But yeah. it's cooling. I mean, your initial thought is, like, I need a cool breath. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I was Two taught seconds. that milk was good. And yeah. Milk does does kind of soothe it, and then you know later I learned that uh, like beer, for instance, is also kind of good because the alcohol can cut the oil. Oh, okay. Oh. Hmm. Uh, oh, so you just need anything to break down the oil of the yes. capsaicin. A piece of bread. Uh, well, so, yeah, yeah, I got a piece of bread. Oh yeah, yeah. bread is good too, yeah. too. But uh, Karen, uh, our yes. friends, our friends at Peppermaster, uh, the Peppermaster. Sorry, the Peppermaster, as yes. you mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, in addition to letting us know where to listen to the show, also sent in some awesome facts for us. They say that they've discovered the best way 
to cut that searing pain of the pepper oil on your tongue is a mix of cane sugar, maple syrup, and heavy cream. So Canadian. Huh. Yeah, the maple syrup. <laughs> uh, but cane sugar, maple syrup, and heavy cream. And heavy cream. Oh, okay. So it's interesting. The cream I can see. I, I didn't I didn't really know what the sugar is, but uh, according to our, our friends at the Pepper Master, capsaicin crystals, I guess, are very sharp. It's a sharp crystal. Sugar crystal is a really blunt crystal. Okay, huh. the shape of it mm-hmm. on a on a microscopic level. So mixing in the bluntness of the sugar crystals with the casein of the dairy kind of neutralizes the feeling uh, on the tongue. It neutralizes the sharpness of the crystals and soothes it and kind of that's the best way to cut the pain. Mm-hmm. So a mix of something sugary and creamy. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I, I heard yeah. ice cream. Yeah. When you're mm. when you're eating hot spicy stuff, you need a milkshake. Sugar yeah. and cream. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it helps me manage the pain. Yeah. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Why you got yeah. ten Why are you drinking yeah. hot sauce? <laughs> you yeah. just don't worry about that. <laughs> so, of course, I was thinking about things that are hot. Thinking about the word hot and listening to Will Shorts, the crossword editor of the New York Times, who does yeah. the Sunday Puzzle on NPR. Mm-hmm. And he does this this style of puzzle a lot. I'm like, oh, this works really well with the word hot. So I'm titling this. Hot anagrams here. Get your hot anagrams. Oh, okay. So all of these, so all of these little anagram questions are going to be the word hot, the letters H, O, and T, and then mm-hmm. I'm going to add a letter into that mix mm. and ask you what word that means. So, for example, if I were to say hot plus the letter B, the word would be both. Both. Sorry. Both. <laughs> Typically, we buzz and then answer. I was like, stop. <laughs> so, um, if if you uh, if you listeners are in a convenient place to grab a paper and a pencil, go ahead and do that. If not, it's okay. You can probably figure some of these out. It's just a little bit trickier. Right. But here we go. Here we go. Oh, Dan's gonna win. First question. No. Hot plus a. Hot plus a. Dana. Oh, both. It is both. All right. Hot plus M. Um, Karen. Moth. Moth. Yes. My enemy. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We're going to. All right. Maybe you're finding these easy. We're going to step it up a little bit to two extra letters. Mm -hmm. Hot plus CL. Dana. Cloth. Cloth. Hot plus GS. Dana. Ghost. Ghost. All right. Oh, my God. Hot plus MU. Uh, Dana again. Mouth. Mouth. Oh man, she's rocking it. <laughs> I'm Rain Man. We're taking time to write them down. I I'm think not, it's I'm oh no. I have no I'm just said. staring at yeah. <laughs> Hot plus N R. Oh. Colin. North. North. Yeah. There's actually a second answer. Hot plus N R. Anybody want to guess? Hold on. Oh. Uh, oh. Uh, Karen. Thorn. Thorn, yes. yes. Yeah. Hot plus U Y. Uh, Colin. Youth. Youth. Mm-hmm. All right. Think you're all so smart. Mm-hmm. Stepping it up to three extra letters. Okay. Hot plus A-F-M. Oh. Karen. Fathom. Fathom. Yeah, Very good. One. Good one. Hot plus A-R-U. Colin. Author. Author. Ooh. Yes. Hot plus B-B-I. Colin. Uh, Hobbit? It is Hobbit. Nice, nice, nice. I was like, wait, is it a proper noun? No, wait, no, it's not. (laughs) And finally, hot plus AMZ. Here's the tricky one. Hot plus AMZ. AMZ. It's not asthma. It's not asthma. It's not house. Is it a... (laughs) Uh, Oh! 
Matza. Matza. Oh, okay. Oh, All right. Good, good, good job, you guys. Killed it. Woo. <laughs> All right, guys. It's time to dip into Karen's stash of nightmare animals. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, I haven't shared any nightmare animals for a while. I think the last one was coconut crab. Mm. Oh, yeah. A little goes a long way. (laughs) (laughs) I think about that sometimes. I do, too. (laughs) It haunts me. But this week, I want to introduce you guys to the Bombardier Beetle. Oh. Okay. Okay. Have you heard of that? I think I've seen these on the Nature Channel before. Now, the Bombardier Beetle is just for, like, size. It's tiny. It's like half an inch. One centimeter long, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like a big ant. And they're found in most places in the world, probably more common in the southern half of the globe, but not Antarctica. This creature has one of the most unbelievable but awesome defense mechanism in the animal kingdom. And so what happens is when the bug is threatened, the beetle will, number one, make a loud popping sound. And number two, it will fire a noxious boiling hot liquid uh-huh. from its butt. Where does it, <laughs> boiling does it hot. get the boiling hot liquid? And it doesn't stop there. Their butt is like a gun turret. It can <laughs> rotate and swivel oh, in any direction and not just straight out from yeah, behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And has a wide range, so if a predator is coming from the side, <laughs> even in front of the bug... It can shoot it things can, in front of it? Yes. It, between the legs. <laughs> wow. It's it's crazy. And it actually has a really good aim. Like, the accuracy is pretty good. And serving up boiling <laughs> spray. When I say boiling, it's near boiling. I, I, the temperature is near 100 degrees Celsius. My the goodness. boiling point of water. And we've we've come across, you know, lots of lots of animals out there, especially with insects and bugs, that they will secrete some sort of liquid. Right. You know, right. It's smelly or it's foamy or it's sticky, whatever. But this is <laughs> almost boiling hot. Okay, so the fluid itself is a mixture of two main things hydroquinone and hydrogen peroxide. Okay. Oh, so okay. these fluids are, are naturally occurring for the bug, and the fluids are stored separately in two different chambers in the <laughs> okay. beetle's body. It's like, like a little yeah. epoxy tube. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is. It's like a reserve. So when the beetle is threatened, the muscles contract and causes both chambers to open. <gasps> oh! So then there's a third chamber, the mixing chamber, that these two liquids flow in. Now, when these two fluids come together, the reaction is super intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a super exothermic reaction. That's where the heat oh, that okay. hurts. Yeah. And you know like a baking soda volcano kind yes. of kind of thing. Yeah. So the reaction gives off a buttload of energy. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> E.g. Quite literally. And and what happens is that the liquid A, because of exothermic, heats up mm. and then the pressure and gas builds up. And the whole thing just explodes out from the butt valve. Wow. And emitting a popping sound. That's, and the sound is part of the, the reaction as well. Oh, the, re- oh, to, so the popping ask, sound yeah. is... It, it, it literally they, explodes out of its butt. Yeah, mm-hmm. it explodes inside its butt. and then yeah. Fraction of a second. So yeah. I think just, this is where I think I had remember seeing it was on... Someone had done like a super high-speed film study of this beetle. And that was all I knew is they were studying like how fast it, it releases. I, I had no idea that it was boiling hot and noxious... There's videos of it, and you can see how hot it is because you see kind of like steam or gas that that comes out as as the bug sprays. Does the bug die? No, it doesn't. Because (laughs) what happens is the bug is structured so that the the chambers where all these fluids are, they're padded. 
Uh, or they're lined insulated. with something. Yeah. <laughs> so, so their organs are, are safe from... It's got a fire I'm so disappointed... Why? ...in the human... But, <laughs> I know! We evolved all this stuff, but we don't have multi-directional explosive butts. How, how many times on this show have we times? talked about Seriously. awesome things that come out from animal butts? Right. Wow. Sounds kind of like a monster. No, he sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so curious about the multi-directional thing. Is there like a tube or something that's... They can... It's like they're doing crunches. Like, oh, I see. They're, they're they cor- just it's core strange. <laughs> oh, great. So they're more fit than we are, too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, time for a quick break. A word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And we're back. You're listening to Good Job, Ray. And this week, we're talking about things that are hot, hot, hot. Oh! So I'm going to talk about something that also happens in every continent except for Antarctica, <laughs> and that is firewalking. <laughs> okay. Every continent? Yes. There huh. are groups in every continent that mm. practice firewalking, some form of firewalking. I've um, never tried it. Have you guys tried it? No. I've never no. tried it. Never tried it. I, I, I mean, I, was, was I understand that it's, that if done correctly, it's basically safe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah I mean, I, my modifier being if done correctly. If done correctly. Yeah. If done correctly, everything is safe, though. Well, sure. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but you're technically, you're not actually walking on fire. You're walking on, like, things that are heated up, like coal hot coals. or something. Yeah, right? like hot coals yeah. or, or embers. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, you're walking across embers, and by by coals or embers, it's not not charcoal coals. Yeah, Usually, coal. that's, yeah. that's too hot. It's wood. There's wood doesn't heat up super hot. So basically, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of information about how it happens or how you how you can do it. How Whoa. it works. So you get hot embers. They're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Probably do wood. It's a little bit safer. It doesn't get as hot as some of the other things. Don't use metal. Metal gets very hot. <laughs> Don't use. You could stones are okay too. Some certain kinds of stones. Oh, baby bubble. I'm sorry. I'm giving you instructions. Like I think you should do this in your backyard. Don't do it in your backyard. <laughs> I just tell you how how people have done but it. Experts. People yes. who are good at it. Okay. And then you build a runway. There's like a whole. You need to lay it all out and make sure that um, the embers have been burning for 20 minutes. So that way they're not super hot anymore. There's kind of a layer of ash on them, which is part of the trick. Mm-hmm. Part of how it works. Not the trick. Yeah. 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 Importantly, like there is a reason it works with certain materials hucksters sell it as mind over matter like oh this would burn you but if you believe it won't
won't burn you. You can walk across it and you'll be okay. Like that is yeah. how flim flam people basically sell firewalk do. No, it's safe. It's it's actually safe if you if you do it the right way. So then you dip your feet in water because with the physics you need to the water adds like a little layer of protection for your feet. It'll yeah. burn off. Here's the probably the part where it's mind over matter. Do not run across it. Like, you're freaking out. Your feet are warm. Like, it's getting hot. If you run, you're putting more pressure in there. Your feet go deeper into the embers. You're going to burn the top of your Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. You don't want to freak yourself out. Yeah. If right. I had to do it, I'd be like, I need to get across this the quickest way no. possible. No. Don't do that. Huh. You're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, you're going to jam your foot. So you have like to be either. centered. You have to be like, I am walking across this. Walk quickly. Yeah. Walk with a purpose, but, don't. <laughs> but, but walk gently. Yes. My understanding is that essentially the the embers are basically like if you take a cake out of the oven and you touch the pan, you burn yourself. But mm. you can put your fingers on the top of the cake mm. and you're yeah. fine, even though it's all the same temperature because oh. the cake is porous, mm. like the like the wood. A lot of and air so, in it. but, but you know. it, yeah. But if you put same the cake thing. in your mouth and close your mouth and just hold it in there, yeah, it would heat up. It's hot. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really yeah, yeah, hot. Yeah. I think yeah. it is. It is kind of in that in between area between uh, like real mind over matter and the hucksterisms part. You know what I yeah. mean? Because like yeah. as you say, Dana, like it is. You kind of have to just trust that you're going to be okay and believe yeah. in it. But I think you're right, Chris. Like I've always sort of associated with you got to just believe in that you're not going to get hurt and yes. focus. There, like, is no, there is no mysticism to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The thing with firewalking, though, and is that uh, people aren't convinced with the physics. Like, there is some mm. controversy. Some controversy about why it works. Like, is it oh, yeah. what physical properties are coming into play with it? And uh, there's this there's this well renowned quote unquote. I mean, I was looking at firewalking.com, <laughs> and he's a, a Harvard trained physician and medical researcher, Whoa. and he said that the literature on firewalking is dreadful and there is there is no way that he's convinced that mental state is not the key variable in firewalking and i'm like so i I don't know what to believe about that but yeah well i mean the water like you say the water on your feet you get a little it burns that off before it burns your skin the ash kind of insulates the wood is cool ish compared to other things being hot i may have seen this on mythbusters or one of those type of shows but they're saying i I think like one of the reasons they tend to do this at night as well is so that just the ambient temperature is a lot lower as well the air is cooler Yeah, Again, sure. it's not really a trick, but it's just you want to do everything that you can to make it less likely that you burn yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could do it in Antarctica. Yeah. Like, it's just too cold. The yeah. It's too cold. You probably could. It's just there's nobody really lives there. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, uh, there's there's a bunch well, of researchers. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it is actually a pretty warm day here. I think it's very... Not pro- even warm. It's yeah. hot. It is hot. Well, it is a hot day. darn hot. I think it is appropriate. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get crazy By hot. By which we mean, like, what, in the 80s? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say. I mean, people yeah. in Texas, I'm you know, sweating. they don't want to hear... Uh, us Vegas right We're in now. Berkeley. It's a, yeah. a balmy high 70s, maybe 80. And I think it's fair to say air conditioning is one of those uh, modern conveniences that we sometimes take I for granted. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love... The sound of it is so soothing, just growing. The the smell of conditioned air. That there is that glorious moment when you're out in the streets of, you know, Phoenix or Houston or Las Vegas, wherever you are, and you come into a store and just yeah. that blast, that icy blast hits like, you. Like diving into a swimming pool. Yeah. And I had touched on air conditioning before in a uh, yeah, long ago episode of Good yeah. Job Brain. It was on our inventions Inventions, episode. that's yeah. right. And we were talking about how, you know, one of the more modern systems of air conditioning was developed in the aftermath of President uh, James Garfield being shot in 1881. And then 
need to find a way to, to cool his room off where they were trying to help him recuperate. And yeah. that was just like a series yeah. of tubes and, and, and ice. 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 It was, yeah. yeah. I mean, and you know, there have been a lot of sort of historical systems like this where you use some salt, you know, to, to and ice to bring the temperature of water below freezing and you run air past it and it cools the air. And, you know, there are examples of the Egyptians doing this and the Chinese having various versions of this. But what makes those kind of systems different from when we talk about modern air conditioning is do you guys like what is the primary feature of modern air conditioning compared to things like laying wet towels in the window and just letting the air come in and cool which does in fact cool the air uh well there's a fan there is a fan they've they've had earlier systems with fans it's not wet it's it is that it's dehumidified. You're right. Yeah. It's exactly oh. right. When we talk about modern air conditioning, it's not just cooling the air, but it's pulling the moisture out of the air as well, so it can stay cooler and is a much more efficient way of cooling. Oh. First modern air conditioner was invented by Willis Carrier. Carrier Air Conditioning Company still in business today. Uh, he was the one who really came up with the first modern system, and he was an engineer. He was working for a uh, like a heavy equipment manufacturer in New York State, and he was working on a problem for a printing company that they worked with. As he looked into it, they, you know, they realized it kind of came down to the humidity. The humidity was affecting not only the paper, yeah. oh. it was affecting the way the inks would dry, the way yeah. the inks would take to the paper. You know, there had been large-scale air control systems and ventilation systems before, but there hadn't been one that was specifically designed to control the humidity. So this was what Willis Carrier came up with. He came up with the first modern system that would cool the air and pull the humidity out and solve the printing company's problems they could keep it at a nice, consistent, predictable, drier air. But really, it's the dehumidifying part that was the That's draw. right. That's what made it different from anything that came before. It was pulling the moisture out. Yeah, those people who worked at that press. This is pretty nice. <laughs> I like yeah. this. This is good. great. But he kind of reasoned backward from steam heating. He's like, well, you know, we know that you can use steam, hot steam, to really heat up a room pretty well and make yeah. it nice and toasty. Part of the reason that you can do that and it holds the heat so well, it's got a, a lot of water in the air. So he's like, well, let me go backward. I can, If I can take the humidity out of the air, I can cool it a lot more efficiently. He would run air through cold coils, you know, he would chill the coils and as you know how condensation works the, the the water would condense on the coils and then the air, now dried moves in and cools off the room. Where does the water yeah. go? They have, you know, you collect it in a pan, you know, I mean, for example, if you ever see an air conditioner on a hot day dripping water on the yeah. outside, yeah. that's condensed water okay. that's being pulled out of the air that it's conditioning. This was an expensive proposition at first and it's not going to uh-huh. surprise you that for a long time air conditioning was kind of the province of big factories or hospitals oh. or Mm-hmm. things that could afford to set up the, just the massive ducts that you would need and the electricity to yeah. run the thing all day. But it was clear that, like, wow, this can really transform business. He didn't call it an air conditioner at first. He oh. called it just an apparatus for treating air. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he was, he was industrial. He was yeah. industrial. After. Yeah, it was. They, they did come up with the damn air conditioning a few years later, but at that time, it just sort of meant any treatment of air. In fact, the first air conditioner with that name applied to it was actually a humidifier. Mm. So it was actually putting humidity into the air mm-hmm. uh, but it was you know it was not too long before it got to be that if you said air conditioning you meant cooled air conditioned so it grew steadily mostly industrial Willis Carrier had a uh, air conditioned igloo at the 1939 World's Fair <laughs> oh. to kind of demonstrate and show off this technology for home use I mean this was really their hope was that they could get into home use and the first units were expensive and big and loud as late as like the 1940s Carrier Company was selling the atmospheric cabinet that would go into your home <laughs> And it was roughly the size of an upright piano. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So it was a slowly a 
adopted technology until 1951 when they invented the window unit, the now seemingly ubiquitous window air conditioning unit. So it was tiny. The noisy part was on the outside. You didn't have to hear it as much. Uh, In 1952, they went from from basically no sales of window air conditioning units to $250 million in sales. That's $1952, by the way. So the window air conditioning unit just, it transformed life. I mean, it's, and you know, a lot of researchers and historians, they really credit the development of the window air conditioning unit to booming populations in the Southwest. <laughs> you know, that it it was really after this, there was a convenient, relatively yes. affordable way of cooling a house to normal temperature that the population booms in, you know, uh-huh. what they call a sunbelt, and particularly the, the Southwest really took off. That makes sense. Air conditioning in cars quickly took off, you know, it just become kind of oh, a, yeah. a must have, you know, again, if yeah. you lived in the West or the Southwest, you know, driving on a hot day, yeah. you'd much rather have the AC going. When I was a kid, that was not like standard on cars yet, you know, it was a big yeah. deal when we got our first car with an air conditioner. Yeah, I'm talking about taking it for granted. I was doing some research again, thinking, I was thinking about, all right, where do I most appreciate the air conditioning? And on I, the train. It was on the train. It was on yeah. the subway. Oh, sure. Uh, the New York subway, they started trials of air conditioning in the 50s and 60s. You know, they had a few kind of spot tests machines and they worked pretty well. Like they brought the temperature down ah, to, to bearable, the yeah. temperature and the humidity no. to bearable levels. Yeah. By the mid 1980s, only half of the trains in the New York subway had air conditioning. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And there, you know, and it wasn't until 1993 that as high as 99% of the cars in the system were covered. Wow. Jeez Louise. And that is, I always took that for granted. And I can't even imagine riding a car in, say, you know, 1989, and there's a chance that you may not have air conditioning in the car. So we have Mr. Willis Carrier to thank for our modern, luxurious, conditioned, cool air. Good thinking on his part. Thanks, buddy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we have one more hot segment. And Chris, you got a quiz for us? I do. Ooh. This is a quiz uh, all structured around temperatures, the, the measuring of, of heat. Hmm. Thank you Not for spiciness. clarifying. Yes. <laughs> as, as opposed to Scoville's. Yes. So let me ask you this question. What is zero degrees on the Kelvin scale more commonly known as? That's... Yeah. Colin! Uh, is that absolute zero? That is absolute yeah. zero. Yes, it is roughly negative 460 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. It is the, the coldest something can get, theoretically. True or false? According to the International Bureau of Weights and Measures, the Celsius scale is defined by the freezing point of water being zero Celsius yep. and the boiling point of water being set at 100 Celsius. Oh, oh. Dana. True. False. false. It was a trick question. In the past, the Celsius scale was defined by that, but now, according to the IB of WM, the way that they do both the Celsius and the Kelvin scales is it is defined by the triple point of water, Mm. which is the point at which, at at a certain temperature and a certain pressure, Water is considered to be all three stages of water are within equilibrium. They are they are just yeah. on the line where where minor 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 
changes in pressure and temperature would cause it to go from liquid to solid, solid to gas. You know, that is marked at 273.16 degrees Kelvin or 0.01 degrees oh, Celsius. Okay. So basically they, okay. they take a very, they have a standard for like super, super pure water. And then they, they measure the triple point of that and they mark that as 273.16 degrees Kelvin. And then everything flows from that. Got it. I'll that is into where, that. And yes, that does actually mean that to convert between Celsius and Kelvin, you just add or subtract 273.15. At about negative 108 degrees Fahrenheit, dry ice turns from a solid to a gas, skipping the liquid state. What is this process called, oh. Colin? Isn't that called uh, sublimation? It is called yeah. sublimation. What? Yeah. How do you, what do you call it? Sublimation. Sublimation. Like sublime. sublime. Oh, yeah. the band. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sublimation. Uh, what is dry ice? Karen. Oh. Yeah. It is frozen carbon. Dioxide. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. It's like frozen yeah. carbon dioxide, solid carbon dioxide. Yeah. Yes. Okay. When I was a kid, yeah, I played around touch with it? it. Yeah. No. That was always told you they'll burn you if you touch it. Uh, I like inhale. I, don't know. I just <laughs> sometimes they pack it in with ice cream and yeah. stuff to transport. And I would always say that you know the homemade haunted houses and things like that. Oh, of course. It, yeah. You know, put it in the bucket with the water. Well, it yeah. sublimates right in front of you. Yeah. Basically, because yeah. it doesn't yeah. pass through the liquid phase so it turns from the solid to smoke or vapor essentially yeah but don't touch it it's really cold yeah no don't do that no <laughs> don't do what Karen did at around 300 degrees Fahrenheit the Maillard reaction happens that's M-A-I-L-L-A-R-D Maillard reaction what is the Maillard reaction Karen it is when you bake and that is when the sugar or s- no hold on <laughs> this is toast. This is something to do with baking and toast. This is when the toast becomes crunchy and brown. Yes, it is yeah. the browning of food. So <laughs> it took me a while to get. So you bake bread and the outside becomes brown. It is different from caramelization. It's a different chemical mm-hmm. process, uh-huh. but it's also when you sear a steak and the steak becomes brown, or when you toast bread and it becomes it becomes brown. That is the Maillard reaction. Ooh. Yes, three hundred degrees Fahrenheit, approximately. Uh, the temperature at which paper burns is 451 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's where the book title comes from? Yes, yes. that is the yes. temperature at which paper burns. <laughs> is that? My mind. That's 451 <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. It's yes. a yeah. science reference. <laughs> so is that temperature closer to 100, 200, or 300 degrees Celsius? Multiple choice. 100, 200, or 300. <laughs> Karen. 200. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because uh, boiling in Fahrenheit is 212, I think, or is yeah. 200 something. Yeah. And yeah. That's 100. Lots something. of ways to get there. 200, 232 yeah. degrees Celsius is the is the equivalent. You subtract 32 and divide by 1.8. Mm. Mm-hmm. Holy. That's one I, I can yeah. never, ever remember that conversion. Mm. Every like time I need, to, I need to yeah. Google yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Right. 9 over 5. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, according to Wikipedia, what is hotter I'm going to give you three things. You tell me what the hottest, the hottest of the three things is. The core of the sun, the maximum peak temperature of a hydrogen bomb, or the core of a star about to go type 2 supernova. Uh, what is the hottest? I'm going to guess the last one, the core of the star about the, to the go. The star about to go yeah. supernova? Well, the, the sun's core is 16 million degrees Celsius. Oh, balmy. A hydrogen bomb can actually peak out at 350 million degrees Celsius. Wow. Yes, that okay. is uh, much hotter than the core of the sun. Wow. Uh, but 
a high mass star right before it pops off is three billion degrees wow. Celsius. It is hot. I, that's one of those numbers. It's I I, I can't even it is fathom yeah. what that yeah. scale of you hot have. Is. blue yeah. whales. Yeah. I know. yeah. How many like what is happens that? in that reaction is that you have metals in there in the in the star that start turning into heavier metals because like the nuclear yeah. fusion is happening mm-hmm. and and finally they and finally it explodes and you don't want to be there when it does. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So Karen's like, when I was little, I, I just buy it. This looks so beautiful. <laughs> I like that voice. Awesome. Well, that's our hot show. Thank you guys for joining me and thank you guys listeners for listening in. Hope you learned a lot about firewalking, about uh, the crazy butt beetle, uh, <laughs> beetle, air conditioning, hot word quiz, and other stuff. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And don't forget to check our sponsor, Audible, at audiblepodcast.com slash goodjobbrain. And a very big special thank you to the gang at The Pepper Master for sending us photos of your kitchen, but also giving us some trivia and the inspiration for today's show. And if you have a crazy hobby or a job, uh, feel free to send us cool trivia tidbits. Uh, we'd love to share them on the show. And uh, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. all trivia nerds Brittany here and i host the family road trip trivia podcast with my best friend meredith is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest <laughs> we've got the cure three rounds of awesome trivia every week harry potter disney science sports you name it no more silent car troubles the family road trip trivia podcast connect laugh and learn with your kids big and small <laughs> New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast.